back. Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is Danima Dave with Just Around the Corner here at 4680Q. This is take two. We had a little bit of a technical issue, but we got her all figured out so we can bring our guests back on. Now, I'm not going to bore you with all the stuff that I talked about earlier because if you've been waiting for us, you've already heard it. I don't want to bore you because we got a lot of good stuff coming up. So without further ado, I want to introduce my first guest. Now, I met Tony Pellegrosi, the executive director of the Light of Day Foundation, probably about 10, 15 years ago, I guess it was, when we started Light of Day Canada, and we've been going back and forth to Light of Day for many years down in Asbury Park, and they treat us great down there, and, um, you know, we've got to meet so many great people down there and see how they run this, and between Joe Derso and uh, Tony Pellegrosi, they've been mentors to us. They've, uh, you know, we borrow, I like to say borrow some of their ideas uh, over the years uh, and bring them back here. But, uh, you know, they've introduced us to so many great musicians, so many great artists that we've brought up to Canada. Joe Grushecki, Joe Derso, Jason Heath and the Greedy Souls, Bobby Mahoney, Willie Now, and on and on, John Eddy. And we've brought them up here and, 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 and so many people down here, it's you know, out here in the Niagara region will say, wow, those guys are great. How come we don't hear them on the radio? And, uh, they're, they're all, they're all hidden gems that, uh, you know, they're friends of Bruce Springsteen's, but they're friends of Light of Day. They all got big hearts. They're all similar in that way. And that's one of the things I love about Light of Day is the, the people that you meet, you know, they're, they're all genuine people who give of their time and give of their talents. And it's the power of music that helps fight. Uh, and bring awareness to Parkinson's, PSP, ALS, and here in Canada, cancer. So, you know, without further ado, I want to bring Tony on. Uh, Tony was a member of the Asbury Jukes, and that was one of the cool things when I first met him. I got to meet my first Asbury Jukes, and then I've met a few, Eddie Mannion being one of them. Uh, he's done a million other things, and like I said in our take one before we started this over, every time I talk to Tony, I learn something new about him. So, folks... Let's hope when I bring up his level, we have him on the line. Tony, are you there, sir? I am here. <laughs> Tony, I'm, I'm I, alive. Listen, you know what? Last week was my my first episode, and you know I wanted Rick to be here because you know he he runs the joint, and uh, anything went wrong, I knew they were here. And then I thought, well, for the first call. You know, you know, if it was Joe Grushecki, he might just say, listen, I'm busy. I got to go. <laughs> but I knew you had the patience to wait for me. So, <laughs> so thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging in there, Tony. How are things down in Asbury Park, New Jersey? Uh, well, they're great. I mean, it's uh, it's almost a balmy, you know, 45 degrees out here. So. Well, it's, you know, um, we're, we're digging it. We're digging it. We're, we're going we're going to the beach and we might even take us a, a swim. No, I'm kidding. About that, <laughs> we might, we're definitely going to go up to the boardwalk and, on the beach. Well, it was a little chilly when I was down there uh, about, a, about a month ago. It was, a, it was a little chilly that weekend. So yeah. we weren't we weren't doing too much on the boardwalk. We were hanging inside. <laughs> January, man. What you, well, you know, there's been a couple of Januaries. Me and Gord were talking about this, where we were like in t-shirts jogging on the jogging on the boardwalk. So there's been some interesting yeah. lighted days in January. But yeah, no, this was this was definitely a cold one. But it's warm here too, and unfortunately, my ice rink uh, is paying the price for this <laughs> this beautiful uh, weather that everybody's so happy that. about. 
I mean, I'm, 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 it's supposed to be 63 by Friday. Yeah, I know. I've been looking at the weather forecast, and like next week is like spring here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be tearing that thing down soon, Tony. So yeah, I, I have that feeling. So last week, you know, I gave a really brief summary of the beginning, the genesis of Lighted Day. Uh, obviously, Lighted Day Canada. I, I was more detailed, but when it came to how Lighted Day started down in New Jersey. I gave a brief overview, um, but I think it'd be great. And I've heard you, I've heard you, um, you know, talk about light today many, many times. It'd be great if you could kind of let us know a few, actually, I'm going to step back. First of all, tell our guests a little bit about Tony Pellegrosi, where, where you came from, your music background and how it led into light today. Ooh, that's a, that's, that's a, a lot, eh? Um, <laughs> but uh, trying to, you know, to, to encapsulate it a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I saw Louis Armstrong on the Ed Sullivan Show when I was 10, and I saw the Beatles about three months before that on the Ed Sullivan Show, and I decided that I wanted to be Louis Armstrong <laughs> and not necessarily the Beatles. So really? I started playing trumpet. and uh, Really? So trumpet led me to the, yes. So tr- trumpet led me to the Asbury Jukes. Um, Ed Mannion and I were playing in a club band together, and uh, it was pretty horrible. And uh, so one day, <laughs> to be I, honest, I lost my. It was called Papa Banana and the Bunch. Well, that's so, it all right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was bad. It was. Can I start calling you bad. Papa Banana? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't Papa Banana. Oh, that was okay. the drummer. And he was like the worst drummer I had ever heard in my life. And I don't know why we were in that band, but we were. You know, I guess we didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. And uh, so I lost my temper <laughs> during a rehearsal. I kicked my music stand over, and I jumped up and down, and I almost I almost punched him. And I said, you're just the worst drummer I've ever heard in my life. I'm out of here. <laughs> and, and so I turned to Ed, and I said, Ed, what are you going to do? And he goes... I'm out of here too. <laughs> so there we goes walked, the band. We, we, we walked up the, the steps, and then Ed said to me, "You know, so now what's going to happen? <laughs> See what you did, Tony. Now what's going to happen?" And I said, "Well, why don't we go to the Stone Pony and see what's going on?" And so we did. Cool. Um, and and just uh, as it happened, um, the Shakes were playing, and this is when Vinny Lopez. I was no longer in the E Street Band, and he was playing with a band called The Shakes. Okay. And he knew Ed. And when we walked in, uh, they were on break, and he came up to us. And we were chatting a little bit, and he introduced Vinny to me. I'd actually met him once when, when he was in Steel Mill, and then once again uh, in the early E Street Band show in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. But he didn't remember. He didn't remember me. So... Uh, and Ed said, this is my friend, Tony Pellegrosi, plays trumpet. And, and then he knew that Eddie played saxophone. So we're chatting, and he goes, you know, a friend of mine, and this is literally the night we quit that horrible band. So it's the same night. A friend of mine is looking for a trumpet player and a sax player. And that friend was Southside Johnny. You're kidding. And that's how we got the gig. <laughs> See, again, as I said earlier in take one before we started it over again, every time I talk to you, I, I learned something new about you. Okay, continue. Sorry, that, that was pretty interesting. 
so you know so you know we auditioned and everything but that's how that's basically how we got it it was like you know the hollywood and vine myth where you go to you, know, you go to a soda fountain you're sitting there some guy goes you want to be a star well basically that's kind of what happened to us and you know Luck's got to be on your side if you want to make it in the music business. That's all I. That's my experience. So this was before um, the, the anyway. Southside's first album. Uh, right. Well, the album had been done. Okay. The album was complete. Okay. But they were looking to create the horn section that they had on the record, which were studio guys. Right. And uh, so he, you know, at the time, he just had a trumpet player and a sax player. The sax player was really good, Carlo Novi, who became one of my best friends. But the trumpet player, not so much, and I ended up replacing that original trumpet player who was just doing the club dates with him. Okay, so that album uh, was the first was, album was entitled. I don't want to go, go home. home, right? Yes, that's what I thought. And then this yeah. time for real was yeah. next. You were on that, right? Okay, right, right. Well, and I was also on Live at the Bottom Line. There, there are a bunch of albums that I'm on, but and we're gonna uh, play something from anyway, one of them yeah. t- later. Yeah, I hope so. Yes, hope we are. Uh, you get to hear me play a mediocre trumpet. No, 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 no. It was a trumpet solo and Love on the Wrong Side of Town that actually on the record was an alto sax solo, but Carla refused to play alto sax, so I had to play it on trumpet. But anyway, so, you know, we joined the Jukes, and, you know, we both ended up leaving at different points. Well, how long were um, you with Sosa? Uh, a couple of years. Okay. A couple of years. Um, like two and a half years, something like that. Now, we've had Southside um, here, so uh, give us a little dirt. So what, <laughs> what's Southside like to as a boss? Well, it was great to me. Yeah. Yeah, well, I have no complaints at all. <laughs> no, I just, um, you know, it was funny because you were at McLoon's, and when, when Grushecki was uh, – was talk before he did. I don't want to go home. He, he was talking about it and, yeah. and intro. <laughs> they were having a little fun up there on uh, on stage about Southside. So that maybe you, know, yeah. you, might, you might have a story. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, I, I kind of do have a story. But, <laughs> um, Johnny, you know, Johnny was very nice to me. He was not happy when I left the band. Um, That's a good I thing. was not fired. Um, I, I did. For some ungodly reason, left. I, I'm not even sure to this day exactly why. Oh, man. But um, you know, I was just uh, you know young, had ideas, had certain feelings about things, and just acted on them without really thinking too much about it. So what came after the um, jokes? Well, I actually I wasn't going to play anymore, but that didn't last. <laughs> so I ended up uh, putting. Just hanging with the Asbury guys like Lance Larson and Steve Schrager and uh, Johnny LaRocci and Tommy LaBella right. and uh, Pete Lauer. And, and we put together uh, a club band called Cold Blast and Steel. You know, and we started playing the top 40 clubs. And uh, it was a very popular, successful band. And then another band, then that went away, and I put together the shots um, with, a, with a great lead singer by the name of Donnie Bertelson, who since passed on. Uh, and then I ended up with a band out of Charlottesville, Virginia, which was really one of my favorite playing experiences. Um, and that was uh, a band called the All-Stars um, out of Charlottesville. They were a blues band. And I got to meet and perform with people like Muddy Waters and Delbert McClinton and 
Guitar Jr. Delbert. Pine Top Perfect. One of my faves. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and, and Buddy Guy and Junior Wells. And Holy God. The list was uh, Met Muddy Waters, B.B. King. Really? It was crazy. It was just a great blues gig. And, and then I played with different people, um, uh, like Bob Skaggs, and, you know, different, you know, recorded with different people. Now, on our, the road for periods of time with different people. Now, our audience, I know, you know, there may be a lot of Springsteen fans listening in. You actually played with the Miami Horns, right? Or, well, sorry, we were you, you were the Miami Horns, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. We were, there, were, there was no Miami Horns before us. So you were the original so, Miami Horns. And yeah. who, were, who was in there? Well, it was, uh, it was the Jukes Horn section. It was uh, Rick Gazda on trumpet, right. myself on trumpet, Eddie Mannion on baritone sax, Carlo Novi on uh, tenor sax, and Richie Labamba Rosenberg on trombone, and but he came a little bit later. It was the four of us for uh, you know about eight months, and then we hired Richie. That's funny, and, and Eddie's still still rocking with Bruce. Saw him last night and oh, or yeah, a couple yeah. nights ago, I should say. Yeah. Oh, Eddie! Uh, Eddie's done a lot with Bruce over the years. He's played with Robert Cray. The disciples yeah, of Soul. Played with Willie Deville. Yeah. And, but a lot of, lot of, lot of Springsteen. Yeah. What was it like? What was it like playing with Bruce? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, first of all, I was a fan. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it was just, it was great. You know, <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it sucks, man. That guy's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, I don't know why I did it. What was I thinking? But, uh, no, it was really, it was really, really awesome experience you know great guys in the band great rock band um got to know clarence very well um and uh but you know the, the first time i remember the actual first song we played actually in front of people with the east street band it was actually it was at the uh, what's now the count basie theater it was the carlton or the Mammoth Arts Center in those days. And what was that song? Um, and and Bruce was doing a homestand there. He's playing like six nights, and and uh, we were doing the first song we were going to do was Tenth Avenue Freeze Up, and uh, you know, and we weren't on stage for the whole night. You know, we would just come on for five or six songs. Oh, okay. And this is this was in, yeah, this was during the period between Born to Run and Darkness, where he couldn't record. So he was just going out and and playing in the Northeast a lot. Whenever he could get gigs, he'd go out for two or three days or four days at a clip, then come back and go back out. And that's what we were doing with him. But because we were still with the Asbury Jukes, uh, oh, you were, but you were cheating anyway, on Sosa. So <laughs> yeah, we, well, yeah, it was cool because Southside was having vocal problems, and there was a period of okay. time for like three or four months, about three months, where he couldn't sing. Oh. So that's when Bruce called us up and said, "You want to come out with me?" Well, no. And you know, and it was like it was like skiing, and you know, you Canadians would understand this. <laughs> it was like ski jumping, really, really. Um, you know, an Olympic ski jump, because when he when he counted it off, I felt like I was on a top of a ski jump, <laughs> and I and I just when he, counted, when he hit that first one, I, I, we pushed off, and right. then it was just energy from that point on. It was exhilaration, energy, 
blew my mind. One of the most incredible experiences I ever had. I, those first couple of notes. I can only imagine. Now we have a we have a mutual yeah. friend, uh, Light of Day Kingston leader, uh, Gord Hunter, and he was kind of telling he was. Oh no, he's not here. But he he did tell us that <laughs> he's not with us. But he he told me a story the other day when I was telling him that you were going to be on the show, and he mentioned that. And, and, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong here or, or I get this wrong, but that you helped arrange the uh, ending to the live version of 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Is that right? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's kind of hazy because, you know, <laughs> what's you know, the 70s? We, you know, in those days, <laughs> you know, we were we were rock and rollers, you know, so. Um, but I, I was we were rehearsing and. Um, Stephen was working on a on, on an ending, um, and you know I just had a couple of ideas. <laughs> so oh. it just kind of, I guess it kind of ended up there. Very cool, very cool. So where, yeah. where where did it go from? Where did it go from there? Like I guess now we can probably. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you had other bands and other other opportunities, but how did you? How did this all segue into Light of Day in the beginning of? Well, the Light of Day Foundation. In the uh, in the nineties, early nineties, I well, I'd stopped playing. Um, I think I stopped playing in eighty five. Um, went back to school, got out of finished school, was you know trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I'd also gotten sober in this period of time, which was very necessary. Okay. Um, yeah, and so I was kind of just trying to figure out what I was going to do. I ended up. Uh, just literally deciding, okay, I'm going to start promoting some shows. I don't, I don't want to play anymore. I don't want to go on the road. Let me promote some shows. So that's kind of how it started. And I met my future partner, who's been my partner, you know, for 30 years, um, Jerry Bacall. And we put a company together called Concerts East. Right. And we started promoting shows. And that kind of, and you know, we became one of the largest indie promoters on the on the East Coast. Who are some of the and bands you guys became, brought in? What? Who are some of the bands that you brought in? You know, to the shore. Oh God! I mean, it's some of the big bigger names. In the nineties, anybody who was any, <laughs> who was any, you know, uh, Green Day, um, you know. Uh, God, I'm horrible with names. I mean, we did all the Bruce Springsteen benefit shows in the 90s. Uh, it can, all the, the, the Christmas shows at Convention Hall. We did all the Bon Jovi stuff um, that were benefits. Um, you know, we did, we did, we did everybody from, 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 from Green Day to uh, the Three Doors Down to the Deftones. We, we brought the Warp Tour Oh yeah, you mentioned Park. that. Yeah. yeah, we reopened Convention Hall and the and the Paramount Theater with the city of Asbury Park. Then we leased um, Convention Hall from Asbury Park for almost three years and ran it ourselves. And and you we you... created the, the 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 Stone Pony. Uh, we called it the Big Top, and then the Stone Pony Landing. It's now called the Stone Pony Summer Stage. But right. We created that. Right, right. That's in the nineties. And we booked the Stone Pony along with, you know, a number of clubs up and down the East Coast. Um, we were in seven states as concert promoters. We did over 6,000 shows. We also wow. owned a venue called Starland Ballroom that we created. Um, but that 
you know, that's how basically I got to know Bob Benjamin. Okay. I had met him once in the late 80s. Um, I knew of him, um, but I really got to know him in the 90s when I was doing all of the shows at the Pony. And what was Bob doing at that and, time? Uh, uh, Bob was working for Billboard in the in the late 80s. That's when I met him. Okay. He had worked for Crazy Eddie's, the big uh, you know record store chain here in the in, in the New York metropolitan area. And then he started his own rec- record label called Schoolhouse Records. Right. He started managing Joe Durso and and Joe Grishecki, and uh, that's how I got to know him. <clears throat> and and that's kind of uh, we were again we were produ- I was producing all of the shows at the Pony when Joe Grishecki and Bruce Springsteen did their kind of famous tour to promote uh, Grishecki's album American Babylon. Okay. So hello. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, and and so we we promoted that show in the Pony. It, that's that's the right name, American Babylon, or my thinking. Yeah, no, no, American Babylon. That's the that's the masterpiece that's I talked about last week on my show. <laughs> yeah, it's a great record, awesome record. Yeah, uh, and you know they went out on on the road and they did like fifteen dates together with Bruce being the lead guitar player in the band. Yeah, that's um, what I was so telling everybody last days. last week. Like, I mean, that it's so hard to fathom that you know Bruce is. You know he's back on the on the far left mic, I get or right depending on what you're looking at it, and you know Joe's the yeah. Joe's the lead man and Bruce is playing lead guitar. Pretty cool. <laughs> it's great. It was a great show. You know, so yeah, I think they kicked it off at the Pony, but that you know that's when I met Joe Grishecki, Even though I'd been a fan of the Iron City House Rockers, not knowing Joe, right. um, but um, that's when I met Joe Grishecki. And that's when I really started to get to know Bob, um, because we became the promoters anytime Joe Grishecki came into town. Gotcha. uh, And into into the area, and uh, as I still am, actually. Um, So that's kind of you know that kind of cemented my relationship with Bob, and you know out of that grew. You know, grew light of day after he was diagnosed with early onset Parkinson's. Okay, so. I told the story last week how, uh, you know, Bob Bob had early onset Parkinson's, but um, he had a birthday party, and in lieu of gifts, he decided he'd ask everybody to donate, and you made a couple thousand dollars. And what 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 became of it after that? What what happened, and what led you guys to to start this? And who and who? What, I think you mentioned Rich Russo. Who who were the uh, catalysts well, yeah, in starting I mean, this? Well, Rich Russo and I decided to throw Bob a party. Okay, so you threw that party. Um, gotcha. Yes. Yeah, Rich Russo and I threw it. Okay. Um, uh, I think Gene, I think, I thought Gene Mickle was part of that, but she said she wasn't. So. Right. <laughs> you were telling uh, me that. Gene, just, just <laughs> taking a run with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, so, you know, we, we wanted to do something to pick up Bob's spirits because he'd recently been diagnosed with Parkinson's. Right. So we put this party together. It was a, supposed to be a surprise party. Of course, the object of the surprise usually ends up knowing more about it than the people who are putting a surprise party together. So he <laughs> called me up a couple of days before, and he said, why don't we pass the hat and donate the money to the Parkinson's Disease Foundation in New York? Because they've been helping me out, pointing me to doctors and therapies and you know, that uh, kind okay. of thing. So 
I said, sure. You know, let's do it. So we did it, and we called. It was about a hundred and hundred people there, maybe, and uh, we collected uh, about two thousand dollars that night. That night, and that was right. the genesis of it. It wasn't called Light of Day then; it was just a birthday party. And fr- from that point on, Bob and I uh, were talking about whether we were going to make this a thing or not. You know, uh, we didn't the next year. But in 2000, it became Light of Day, and that was our first show with the Pony. So there was a gap. I'm not losing my mind. There was a year gap. No, there was a, there was a, a year gap, or a two-year gap, really. Yeah, because it was 98, um, and then and yeah. it was it was yeah, okay, year 2000 yeah, started. And that's, and that's and that's and that's when we came up with a name. Uh, and I don't know. I, I I know that Bob asked me if I I remember him asking me. If I if I thought we should use the name, and so I think Bob came up with it, um, and and I said, well, and and I, I knew the I kind of knew the lyrics of the song, and I thought about it for like ten seconds, and I said, well, why not? It's perfect, you know. And, and yeah, I mean, and, what 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 a perfect song for what you guys have been doing all these years. Yeah, and then you know, uh, we asked. Uh, the organ, Bruce's organization, if it was cool, and they gave their blessing, and off we went. So, so um, obviously, I, I did mention last week about you know Joan Jett uh, doing a great version of that on the on the movie soundtrack. Um, when did when did Bruce actually get involved for the first time? Now, there's I see great, some great pictures of Bruce and and Michael J. Fox and Grushecki and them. When when was Bruce's first appearance at Light of Day? Oh. Was it the first you know, year, second year? Do you remember? Or am I putting you on the spot on that one? Uh, yeah, th- th- I'm not sure. Um, I think it was the the first. It was either the first or the second year, but it was very early on. And you know, he had a relationship with Joe Shepard, right. which was very important in terms of him being there. But at the time. The guy who really brought Bruce in was a guy by the name of Terry McGovern. Oh. Who was who was Bruce's right-hand man. That's right. Um, you know, for, for lack of a better term, Guy Friday. I mean, <laughs> Terry you know, kind of did everything. Whatever Bruce needed done that somebody else di- didn't do or wasn't, wasn't doing or couldn't do, Terry was the guy. And he wrote a beautiful he song about him after he passed. And he was always there. He was, you know, he was at Bruce's side. Ah, so he he was. And I've known Terry from the bar business because he he was a bouncer. He managed bars um, in New Jersey, right? And, uh, so I'd known him for quite a while at that point. I didn't realize um, he was an integral part of that. That's cool. Oh yeah, very very integral because he used to call Bob up uh, when when Bruce would say, you know, I I want to, you know, find me this song. Well, in those days, you couldn't go to YouTube. <laughs> Spotify. <laughs> you couldn't go to your laptop and just pull it up. You know, you had to find the record. Right, know? right. <laughs> it seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you actually have to go out and get a physical copy of, uh, you know, you have to get something physical and put it on a machine and play it. You know what's funny, um, Tony? When you say that, it's, sorry, this just came to mind. When we were... When we were kids, I mean, up until, you know, my teens, I guess. I can't remember how old I was. No, maybe later than that because the Internet, you know, 
really came about for me in the you know, mid-90s, but whenever there was a music question that anybody we knew had, they called my house and they asked my dad. So he was like the original guru. Right. He would, like they would call, and then, oh, really? and then yeah, he, the people would say, "Who wrote this song? Who did?" My dad was like an encyclopedia. And then Google came about, and Dad stopped getting calls. He was, you know, really upset. But there was a time when we didn't have, <laughs> we didn't have any well, of this, right? You know, like you just somebody you know, knew it, we, and we, you looked it up in a book or whatever. But that's funny. That's well, funny. Well, when the car was invented. A lot of blacksmiths lost their, their job. Yeah, that's so. right. Everybody listens to that. That's job. progress, baby. <laughs> okay, so you've, you've given us a great history, way better than my little summary last week. Um, you know, I will say, it's like I, I mentioned earlier, it, you know, it's been an honor just being a little part of this, and, and we're, we're glad that we're resurrecting Light of Day Canada this year and, uh, you know, going to get things going. Um, what is your... Okay, first of all, actually, I was going to ask you your favorite memory. Before I do that, how much have you guys raised uh, since your inception? And what do you guys? What have you been doing with the money in the last several years? Because I saw some really good things on your Facebook group and and so on. So, how much have you guys raised thus far? And you know, what do you do with the money? Well, um, you know, I have a beautiful house in the Bahamas. <laughs> um, You're live and on the air, Tony. <laughs> oh. I didn't. I thought we were taping this thing. <laughs> we could cut that out. No editing here. Well, no, no, no. Of course, I'm joking. Of course. Um, I actually never even been to the Bahamas. <laughs> bring it up. Um, but um, we've raised. You know, we've grossed. I think a little bit north of six million dollars. Okay, so I was close. I said six and a half. So I'm close. Yeah. Um, you know, somewhere between six and six and a half, six and a half at this point, depending on what we actually did this year, right. which is actually looking pretty good. But, you know, um, since we're a very small do-it-yourself organization, you know, for a long time, uh, we would just really turn over completely whatever we had raised. Right. Um to the Parkinson's uh, Disease Foundation in New York. Right. Now, you know, our fundraising really increased when I turned it into a festival. Um, and what year did actually, you do that? Because, I, honestly, that that is, it is so impressive what you do. If people haven't been down to Asbury, this isn't a one-day, two-day thing. This is this starts, I think you told me, like, it starts in Philly, right? Like, this is a, a 10-day yeah, event. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Right. So... Um, so basically, you know, I don't, again, it's one of those dates, it was at least eight years ago, right. maybe nine, um, but, you know, I was, I was looking for a way to kind of, you know, increase revenue. You know we, we could never announce, and we never announce, because we don't know if Bruce is coming or not, Right. you know, um, and I, and I was trying to find a way how I was trying to find a way that that would work for us in terms of our fundraising right um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a larger sense so that's when I, I came uh, and, and and Joe Durso had been saying you know well we should 
maybe we should like do more shows. And I was saying, fine, but I, I really don't want to. And, and Joe was a real proponent of, of turning it into something bigger, you know. And I said, fine, but I want to find a way to really exponentially utilize the fact that we have, a, you know, that, that Bruce has, you know, has worked with us and appreciates what we're doing right. and supports what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, how, how do we make that work in our, in our, in our fundraising favor? Right. And, and and so I, I came up with an idea, and the idea essentially was to utilize the Basie show or the main event show in those days at the Paramount. At the Paramount, yeah. Um, as kind of the tree that uh, uh, that the the tickets that the uh, festival tickets kind of fell off of. Right. Right. You had to go to the main event in order to in order to be able to purchase an all-access festival ticket. Okay, right. And that, was, and that was the thing that turned it around. We literally went from raising about $80,000 the year before to raising $250,000 the very next year. Well, it makes sense because, I mean, there's, there's shows going on. If you haven't been down there, folks, uh, Light of Day, uh, Winterfest, there are shows going on constantly. I mean, I, I've never been there for a Thursday. I want to do that next year. He has rare lanes. And there was years where I didn't make it down to the, we would leave on the Sunday morning. And then Evan got to play that kids rock show. So we stuck around and then we were at McLoon's and then, you know, that now that's a must. We have to be there every Sunday on the Sunday because there's shows all day long as well. And it's, it's just nonstop music. And first of all, for a guy who only, only puts on a couple shows, I don't know how you guys do it, but you said it's a, it's a well-oiled machine now and you've been doing it for so long. But the the amount of money you guys raise and the talent you bring in is uh, it's incredible. And you know, uh, if you guys are all out there clapping, I think it's time to give a hand to Tony and, and his crew for all the great work they do and and the money they raise. And before I let Tony go, um, I do want to ask you what because folks, you've probably you've probably guessed now. Tony and I can spend two hours on the phone together. And we've done that before. Uh, we just started. Yes, we haven't. We haven't. Talk, we haven't talked politics or anything else right now. But and we won't. Um, I, this is going to be tough. I know. But I did mention it to you yesterday. Give me your your favorite memory. And I, and I know you've got a million of them. But give us a memory uh, or, or a little uh, behind the scenes uh, from from one of your favorite times at Light of Day. Oh. Something unique, you know, that maybe I don't even know. Well, I'll tell you, I was really, you know, light of day, putting light of day together is an ordeal. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. And, 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 and the month leading up to light of day is really stressful. And, and I usually quit like 10 times you know, <laughs> in my mind. I, this is it. I'm never doing this again. You know? I can visualize that. Uh, I can't, I can't take it. It's crazy. <laughs> I wish my phone would stop ringing. I'm going to, I'm going to flush my, my phone down the toilet. So, Abel, tell us that he wanted you know. 10 seconds. Now he only wants eight. This stuff driving me crazy. I'm quit. <laughs> <laughs> so. But this year, and, and I was really feeling it this year, you know. Right. But I say that every year. Right. Here I am, you know. 
I, I'm feeling it again a lot this year, and I'm like, oh, I can't do this again. Oh my god, it's killing me. You know? And all of a sudden, I just started to feel this incredible vibe from the event, right? From the people, from the musicians, and it was kind of magical. You know, I, I realized that. Wow, you know, everybody, you know, more than ever this year, there was this feeling of coming together for the real reason that we do this. And, you know, which is go ahead. Uh, uh, in our quest to end Parkinson's, ALS, and PSP in our lifetime, right. you know, in our lifetime. And, and finally, after many, many years, it didn't feel that it was all about the music. And that's what bothered me at times. Right. Um, this is too much about the music. Yeah, the music is great. The music, the power of music is the thing that brings us all together. But once we're together, we have to, I want everybody to really internalize why we're together. Right. And that's very, that's been very important to me. Well, I'll tell and you, Tony. I really felt that. So did you we. Know, I know, really felt that this year. We talked about that on the ride home, and I don't know what it was either, but the feeling, you know, that's I, I told you on the phone the other day. I mean, it lit a fire under my ass to get moving again, and, and, and I love going down to Jersey for that reason, but I think you were right. This year, there was that feeling. You know, it's it's not about Bruce showing up. It's It's about the whole week, the whole weekend, and why you're there and what you're fighting for, and you know the fact that we are just around the corner. It's getting closer, and you you see that in the research and and uh, articles that I've been reading. And we are getting closer, and yeah. we know that we're a, we're yeah. a part of that. So it's a it's a great thing you guys have done, and you know God bless Bob and all of you guys and all that you guys have done for us and and uh, for Parkinson's, ALS, and PSP. And I really, really, really hope I get to see the day when you stand on that stage and say we did it, folks. I want to be there for that. Yeah, yeah. I want to be there for that too. <laughs> <laughs> you will be. Your work, your your will, your work is not for not. It's uh, it's uh, it's going to happen, and I and you can feel it. And and uh, like I said, we're just we're just happy to be a small part of it. So I want to thank you, Tony. I know we had a little glitch at the beginning. Um, this 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 just around the corner podcast is brand new for me, and we've got some new equipment that we're we're working out. But I appreciate you being patient, and we'll edit it out, and we'll put together a lovely podcast to put on the Light of Day Canada and Four Six Eighty Q site. So we'll be obviously we'll be talking uh, soon. I want to thank you, and uh, please say hi to everybody down there. And maybe oh, I will. I will. I'll- I'll see a few of them in the next couple of days. Actually, are you are you going to Buffalo? Yeah. Do you know for the Bruce? Um, I don't know. I may. Well, if you I do, may. let me I'm, know. I'm, and we'll... going to, I'm definitely I'm definitely going to Tulsa. <laughs> I already have tickets in my flight for that. I want to go to I want to go to the new Dillon Museum in Tulsa that just opened this year. Yes, I heard of that. And I don't want to go in particular because he's such a hero of mine. Um, I want to. I want to go to the Leon Russell, the, the Leon Leon Russell. Russell Museum. Man, that'd be cool. Yeah. And that's in Tulsa as well. Well, and, uh, if we don't see you in Buffalo, or we'll see you this fall 
at the Meridian Center, hopefully, for uh, Light of Day Canada 2023. I think I just let a little bit of the cat out of the bag, but we're working on something big. So hopefully we'll see you, Tony, down the road. Thanks. It was a great interview. Great talking to you. Now, just a couple quick announcements before we uh, part ways for Episode 2. Again, Joe Durso will be here next week, February 14th, for Episode 3 of Just Around the Corner here on 4680Q. And this Saturday night, I want to mention that there's a uh, a show at Canal Side Restaurant in Port Colborne, Ontario. Rick Rose, Evan Rotella, and friends will be doing songs from California artists and bands. It's called Southern Canal of Fornia Sounds, and it's a benefit show for Light of Day Canada. So all, all money uh, from ticket sales will go directly to Light of Day Canada, and Greg, the owner, will be matching whatever we make. So uh, it's going to be a great time. There's going to be some friends coming out. Joe Lavoy uh, from Welland. Maybe Dave Rave, if he's around. We did uh, offer out the invite. And uh, they're going to be playing songs from some of their favorite California artists. So that's this Saturday, February 11th at 8 o'clock. Now, in studio, we've got uh, Mr. Evan Rotella himself. Evan's going to be playing a song for us uh, from a Southern California artist, Mr. Warren Zevon, who this week was nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And when you look at the fan voting, he's been skyrocketing to the top. He went from about eighth place to fifth in the last two days and just pulled ahead of, uh, I think it was Iron Maiden, and he's getting close to pulling ahead of Willie Nelson. So I thought it would be appropriate for us to play or to have somebody play a Warren Zevon song. So Evan Rotella, take it away. This is Warren Zevon, Linda Rotstad also did this, Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me.
took me back to the Hyatt house. I don't want to talk about it. Poor, poor, pitiful me. Poor, poor, pitiful me. These young girls won't let me be. Lord have mercy on me. Whoa, whoa, is me.